Katie is currently at home on speakerphone at my house, so she's not here, which makes me sad. Yeah, it's been weird, but we made it work, so we're still gonna try to entertain you guys because I know it's been uh, it's been fucking weird. Yes. Yes. Um, but I did watch Tiger King, which was the greatest thing I think I've ever seen. <laughs> I mean, it had everything anyone could watch in the show. Honestly, my husband started it, where it's Saturday, not Friday, because yesterday was a shit show, and we actually tried to record, and we lost everything that we recorded, because I don't know why. Probably because I'm an idiot, but who knows. Um, and I walked downstairs this morning, and I heard, I saw Tiger, and I was like, oh my god, are you watching Tiger King? <laughs> so I'll probably be watching it today, which I'm not mad about. No. Yeah. It's just absolutely the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen in my life. But, you know, good things. Good things. I hope that all of you are relatively entertained and keeping your sanity, you know. Yes, do yourselves a favor and look at a calendar every once in a while. Yep. Do you know what day it is? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so, me and Katie had a conversation yesterday about... Uh, how I woke up yesterday full well for like the first half of the day thinking it was Thursday <laughs> until I looked at my phone. It was like, wait, what? Because I, it's, they're all starting to blur together because we're both working from home now. Katie had an even worse day on Tuesday. I thought it was Tuesday. It was Wednesday. <laughs> yeah. Got an email saying happy hump day. And I was like, shit, I had honestly thought it was Tuesday. Yeah, she actually sent an email back. I saw a picture of, thanks for the email. I really thought it was Tuesday. <laughs> so, you know, we are right there with you. But I do have to say, keep it up for those of you who are self-quarantining because just don't go outside. Let's not spread any gross germs. Germs are gross. Keep them to yourself. Yes. Mm-hmm. Gross. Uh, but yeah, that's pretty much all that happened this week. Other than, yeah, like I said, we recorded about half hour yesterday into the story, and then something happened. My laptop glitched. I don't know if I hit a button or what, and we lost everything. So, yep. Here we are. We, I was mad, and Katie had a pizza dilemma, so we were like, let's just do it tomorrow morning. <laughs> Listen, I got priorities, and pizza's at the top. Yep. Always pizza delicious. Oh, yeah. Very good. We got so many frozen pizzas at Jewel yesterday. We went to Jewel. If you guys want to go, I know everything's crazy, and I know a lot of you don't even have Jewels because we live in Chicago, but Jewel was dead yesterday. We went at 8.30 and four people. It was awesome. And everything was restocked except for toilet paper. <laughs> well, and some Lysol. So pretty much people are crazy. Yes. But, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much been my week. It's been pretty, pretty uh, quiet and boring but relatively entertaining i watched a ton of true crime documentaries that are available on amazon prime for free and i told katie about them so yeah i watched so many there's some good ones crime after crime without charity jesse's daughter that was a great one so if you guys are bored dive right in yep and you guys might have noticed that today's 
opening music was different than our normal creepy opening music. Oh, yeah. I completely forgot. So I do not have the copyright to that song. We do not. Duran Duran owns that shit. But the reason why our opening song is Hungry Like the Wolves by Duran Duran is we are doing the infamous Diane Downs. Yay. Not yay. She's fucking crazy. (laughs) She's a crazy bitch. But I have to say and give my... Dearest friend, Vanessa, a shout out, who is a nurse and is on like the front lines of this craziness. So love you. And she really wanted me to do this or us to do this. So I jumped right in because Diane Downs is one of those things that just fascinates me because it doesn't make any sense. So without further ado, as I introduce myself, (laughs) uh, let's tell the story of Diane Downs. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. All right. So we're going to start with her birth. She was born as Elizabeth Diane Downs. Um, She was born August 7th, 1955 to Wisley Linden and Willadine Fredrickson. Um, She had five other siblings. She was the oldest. Diane claimed that as she was growing up, her father abused her. He strongly denies this. No one really knows if it happened or not. I, she eventually said she lied, but she kind of lies about everything, so. I'm not sure, but either way, if that gives you an insight into what this rabbit hole we're going to fall down. Her family moved around a lot until her father finally landed a good job with the post office. So he became a mail carrier, which, good on you, dude. Uh, But her parents were still, like, strict disciplinarians. They were kind of conservative and, you know, expected Diane to behave and act a certain way and all that. But Diane was a teenager and really wanted to fit in, so she began to rebel in high school. She bleached her hair. She changed her clothes. Eventually, when she was 14, she started going by Diane. She was born Elizabeth. She started going by her middle name. And I don't know. I feel like that's kind of substantial. And I don't think people think about it a lot because I think, like, in her mind, it was like, I don't want to be Elizabeth anymore. I'm going to be Diane. And then she started being this, like, you know what I mean, different person than what she was. Well, yeah, I mean, she changes her identity. Essentially, yeah. And then, you know, after she bleached her hair and changed all of her clothing and tried to, like, you know, like, change who she was. So I think that's pretty significant because that's... Diane met her first boyfriend named Steve Downs. He lived across the street from her and was two years her senior. So she was 14, he was 16. Not that big of a deal, but... Her parents did not approve of this at all, but she still snuck out to see him and did the teenage thing for written romance and all. Um, She graduated from Moon Valley High School in Phoenix, Arizona, and then Stephen enlisted in the Navy. Diane then enrolled at Pacific Coast Baptist Bible College in California, which probably not the best choice for rebelling Diane, but sure, Bible College it is. Um, But Diane only ended up attending uh, the college for a year after she was kicked out for promiscuous behavior, so definitely having sex in the chapel or some shit. That little slut. <laughs> she was definitely uh, someone who got around a lot. I mean, do you? But or do other people. <laughs> All the other people. So after she was kicked out, she returned to her parents' home in Phoenix, Arizona. And shortly after this, Diane ran away um, with Steve. And on November 13th, 1973, her and Steve were married. The marriage was rocky from the beginning. There was cheating and money issues and lots of arguing and all that. So naturally, the progression would be to make a baby. 
So, Diane, yeah, right? Fixes everything. Yep, usually usually happens that way. Because <laughs> babies aren't stressful at all. Diane gave birth to her first child, Christy Ann Downs, in 1974. Diane then said, fuck it, and that's what I wrote, and joined the Navy herself. After uh, about three to four months, however, she said she had to return home because Steve was neglecting Christy Ann. There was never any conclusive evidence that supported this, or if she just kind of got jealous that she wasn't there or didn't trust him. Not sure. Either way, she dropped out. Diane then gave birth to her second daughter, Cheryl Lynn, in 1976. And shortly after that, Diane and her family moved to Mesa, Arizona. Both Stephen and Diane found a job in manufacturing mobile homes. Once they got the job where they manufactured said mobile homes, Diane almost immediately began having affairs with her coworkers. Mm, yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She got pregnant again, though this time the baby was not her husband's. He was well aware that it was not hers, his as well. But her husband seemed like a decent dude and just kind of accepted him as his own and, you know, raised the baby. All right. Well, that's nice. Yeah. So in December of 1979, Diane gave birth to Stephen Danny Downs. Everybody called him Danny. Okay. The sure. following, sure, sure, sure. The following year, Steve and Diane finally called it quits and got divorced. <clears throat> Probably a good idea. Maybe. Maybe. With all the not having, you know, having babies that aren't your husband's. Probably not the best marriage I've ever seen. But I don't know. I did watch Tiger King. <laughs> oh, Clearly. <boy. laughs> Clearly that worked out really well. It did. It did, especially because he was married to two people that were not gay. Spoiler alert. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm sure everybody's seen it by now. But if you haven't, my bad. But that's like a little snippet of the story. Um, but basically, she spent the next couple years moving from place to place and man to man and just kind of living her best life, even though, well, whatever, that was her best life. To help and try and make some quick, quick cash, she actually attempts to become a surrogate. For those of you, I'm sure you know what surrogates are. I know Katie knows what a surrogate is. Um, basically, she tries to get... Um, for women who cannot have babies, they insert a fertilized egg into your uterus and she would have another woman's baby. So she is just the oven for somebody right. else who has struggled to have kids. But was actually denied the first couple times because she failed the psychiatric test. Yes, they do a lot of um, mental screening because it is such an emotionally involved process. Katie attempted to be a surrogate, if you guys haven't. Um, so Katie knows firsthand what it entails, and it is a lot. It's a lot. Yes. So, I actually had to give her a hormone shot in her butt once. Best friends for life. <laughs> yes. So, I mean, like, yeah, not surprised that she failed this test. Yes. So basically what I read was she attempted multiple times. The first three times she failed. Basically, what I read um, and what was stated in Ann Rule's book, she said that they they feared that she would have the baby and be okay with, like, not drinking or smoking or doing anything like that, but that when she had the baby, she wouldn't give it up and try to take it. Yep. So, they were scared of that. Eventually, however, she was accepted. Somehow. Because you guys will hear her. She's fucking crazy. 
But she gave birth to the baby. Um, she gave birth to a baby girl named Jennifer and was paid $10,000. And then she gave gave the baby away. So surprise, surprise. And I actually heard this. I read it in an article yesterday um, that she actually, after this, attempted to open her own surrogacy clinic. Oh, really? Yeah. I was like, oh, why? She just really liked babies, I guess. I feel like she was, and they talk about this a lot, was love hungry. And she had so many mental, she was very mentally ill, definitely had an antisocial personality disorder. And I think she liked being pregnant because she was paid attention to. And people kind of uh, cater to you. You know, they, everyone treats pregnant women different. Right, right. So she really liked the attention. She liked seeking that out. But once she had the kid, I think it was, she she didn't like it anymore. So she just truly enjoyed being pregnant. That's fair. Yeah. Um, she then seeks out a more steady job after the surrogacy clinic fails. Surprise, surprise. Um, and eventually she gets a job as a mail carrier in Phoenix through her dad. So normal. You know, steady, steady work. While she was working for the post office, Diane maintained multiple affairs at multiple times. But she ended up falling in love with a man named Robert Knickerbocker, who went by Nick. <laughs> I love that last name. <laughs> Knickerbocker? Yeah, it's pretty great. There, and also, there's a ton of nicknames in here. Because this name's Robert, goes by Nick. Her son's name is Steven. He goes by Danny. Hers is Elizabeth. She goes by Diane. It's like, okay, everybody. Sure. So his name, he goes by Nick. So Nick was in the middle of a divorce with his wife, Nora. Um, I shouldn't say middle of divorce. They'd been separated for a while, but it was kind of back and forth. Um, so they were separated. Eventually, Nick broke it off with Diane, who was devastated. Um, he basically said he didn't want to be with her because she had kids. And he said, I never wanted kids. You know, this was supposed to be a casual, fun thing. I I just, I can't do it. I'm not going to be a father to your kids. Which, respect. I mean, I'm sure he said it at the beginning and said, I don't want kids. I never wanted kids. I don't like them. That's your prerogative, bro. You know? Right. And then she probably thought, <clears throat> like, Chem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Of course, as a woman, that's just what we fucking do. I don't know why. God, we just like fixing things. So she was absolutely devastated because she was borderline obsessed with him. Yikes. After this breakup, she took her three kids and said, fuck it, and moved to Springfield, Oregon. Um, so I guess her parents had retired and moved up to Oregon. Um, so she moved there to be closer to them. Diane, however, was still not really ready to let Nick go and continued to call and write him. Nick I was having none of it as he made it very clear he never wanted kids and he wasn't going back to her. Once she arrived in Oregon, she got a job there as a mail carrier as well um, in Cottage Grove, Oregon. So she was a mail carrier out there as well. Um, and then after this, her and Nick just had this really back and forth relationship because I know that she visited him a few times. It was very up and down and weird and... But that is definitely something you guys should keep in the back of your brains for what's about to fucking go down. On May 19th, 1983, Diane and her kids visited a friend's home until around 9, 9.30 p.m. Diane packed up the kids and headed home as they were, you know, tired. On the way home, Diane decided to take the scenic route. It's 9 fucking 30. There is no scenery. Because <laughs> apparently where they're at is super small town, lots of deserted roads, things like that. So I'm sure there's not a lot of lighting, so... Right, so let's go the scenic route. 
Into darkness. Into darkness, essentially, is what's happening. She I said... Water rum. <laughs> oh, are you drinking? I'm happy. I am drinking. It's I. It's 11.53. It's almost 12 o'clock. It's fine. We're in quarantine. There's no rules. No rules. So, Diane claims that she did this all the time and that she saw a road she hadn't taken before and turned down this road. And while she took this road that she was trying to sightsee on was a man, a shaggy-haired man in the middle of the road. So naturally, with her sleeping fucking children and no way of defending herself, she pulled over to help this man. Is that a reaction? Not a normal reaction at all. No woman in their right mind would ever do this. Ever. No. So she pulled over. She exited the car and the man basically pulled out a gun and told her, give me your car keys. And she stated in an interview that I will, I'll play a clip of shortly. Are you kidding me? And then a struggle ensued. He shot her in the arm and then entered the front seat and shot her kids multiple times. She then fake threw the car keys into the woods. The man went after them. She jumped in her car and sped away. That's her story. Which she, you, Sounds right. yeah, that doesn't sound right at all. That is what her story was. The whole time this is happening, she stated that Hungry Like the Wolf by Duran Duran was playing loudly on her radio. Uh. Ew, ew. Let me tell you, I listened to this song for, I mean, it's not like I listened to Duran Duran a lot. I don't know who still does. No, no offense if you do. By all means. But then hairs on the back of my neck stood up. Oh, there's this like weird laugh in the beginning. And I was like, oh my God, this is so creepy. It's fucking creepy. So she stated that she raced to the hospital. While she was driving, she was able to find a towel to place over her arms. She said she could hear her children choking on their own blood and screaming at them. And she was screaming at them to lay on their stomachs. Once she arrived at the hospital, all the children are removed. Obviously, Diane gets out of the car and starts freaking out. They're treated immediately. Um, unfortunately, by the time they arrive at the hospital, Cheryl had already passed away. Aww. Yeah. The other two are barely hanging on, and they are rushed into emergency surgery as they, they manage to survive, but the outcome doesn't look good. The hospital staff is fixing up Diane and asking her questions as they do so. Her responses and reactions are fucking bizarre. So she isn't crying or distraught in any way. In fact, many of the staff said she was calm when speaking. And they also said she would not stop talking. Like it, Anne Rule described it in her book as um, verbal vomit. And it just kept coming. So like Mean Girls. Word vomit. It was just cut. She kept coming. And it was very clear that. So when you listen to her, it's almost like she's in a manic episode because she keeps talking. Some of the tapes and interviews, I highly suggest that you guys watch um, some of her interviews because there is a fuck ton of them on YouTube. It is really intense and very scary. And you get really weird. It's you get you feel weird listening to them. It's bizarre as fuck. So she actually stated, and I don't didn't get the actual quote. She actually quite said something along the lines of, um, "I hope the back upholstery didn't get ruined." What the? Who cares? Yeah, you're fucking. One of your kids is dead, 
And the other two are in surgery. So barely surviving. Swear to God, she said that out loud. Okay, give me one second here. Katie, I'm going to move you away from the microphone really quick because i got to play this clip. So I'm going to play a clip of her for you guys. So that was her talking to the police, um, giving their her first statement. And sorry, the quality is a little shoddy, but legitimately, she said, if you couldn't hear her, if they have to let them die, let them die, but don't let them suffer. Ooh. Yeah, real normal stuff for someone whose two children are dying and one is already dead. Just your typical reaction, you know. Investigators immediately have... Diane showed them where the crime scene was located. They section everything off. They begin to start looking for any clues that could lead to the man who did this. I mean, and they started a fucking manhunt, which anybody would do because kids are dead. Right. Unfortunately, when they go and like look and do the, there's not, they're not going to find much because obviously it all, it was only like a 30 second crime scene. And so they only found bullet casings. The bullet casings do have kind of these strange markings on them. So at least it gives them a little bit of a, you know, a chance to match them back, but all they, they searched the river that was close for the gun. They didn't find anything. So the, literally the only thing they have is bullet casings. They have Diane sit with a sketch artist and have her describe uh, who the man was and what he looked like. And they came up with a sketch. We will include that photo on Insta when we um, post the corresponding photos. So Diane starts behaving even more strangely as she seems to be like relishing the attention and is loving it. So she immediately calls for a public interview with multiple news stations, which is not normal. Most people just want to be left alone and to have, you know, the this crime, whoever committed this crime brought to justice, but not Diane. Like let the police do their work. Exactly, but not with Diane. She just was like, I want to, she called like multiple news stations and did multiple interviews, multiple, multiple interviews. I mean, all the time. She was in the news all the time. So she starts behaving crazy and very bizarre. At this point, the police are kind of getting very suspicious as her story just isn't adding up, which it isn't. I mean, everything about it doesn't make any sense. They asked Diane to reenact the incident to which she agrees this is the most insane thing I have ever seen for someone who had gone through what she had supposedly gone through and is continuing to go through because both of her kids are still in the hospital, like on life support, essentially. I'm going to play a clip for you guys and for Katie. And this is when she's at the reenactment and this is the news kind of what happened when she was there and what she said and how she was acting. So she was legitimately, like, having a grand old fucking time. Laughing. She was joking around with the newscasters. She actually, um, if you actually watch the um, video of her doing this reenactment, she's in the background, in the car, sitting and looking at herself in the mirror, putting on, like, lip gloss and fluffing her hair and all this crazy shit. Yeah, not all behavior. No, your fucking kids are dying in the hospital. Did you hear her? She was laughing. 
There is a line that she says that I didn't play yet, but I will play for you. And it's going to be a little rough and it's very quick. But she says this. And it's um, a very bizarre, quick thing. So listen. This is person. Okay. This is person. Okay. So I played it twice for you guys. So it's, she says, this is worse than when, and then stops talking. So what the police think she was going to say was, this is worse than when I shot myself. Eee. Yeah. Because she hit her cast, you know? Again, attention. Um, so that is what they believe that she was going to say. And I, there are people who've like dissected this sound clip and they said that she mumbles it. She mumbles something after that, but then she just changes the subject. So if you guys can look up Diane Downs reenactment and you will fucking, it's cringeworthy is what it is. And because of the way she behaved during the reenactment, the investigators are now like, all right, this fucking lady is not telling the truth. Something is going on with her. So they begin to focus the investigation on Diane. All the while, Diane is still doing TV interviews dailies. I'm going to play, and these are the last of the clips. I'm going to play two more clips of two separate interviews that are just fucking batshit crazy. And as I say, she may be the only one to get me out of this. Would I have brought her to the hospital? Wouldn't she be the one that I would make sure is dead? There are too many holes in it. If I had shot my own children, would I not have done a good job of it? Why would I have taken my kids to the hospital? Wouldn't I have made sure they were dead and then cried crocodile tears? That's insane to think that I would do such a thing and then bring the the witnesses in against myself. That's crazy. Is that what's crazy about that story, Diane? Is it? Okay. And I'm going to play you the last one. About my daughter, my first reaction was to snap back to my childhood, to the pain that had happened to me back then, my marriage, my entrapment by society. This man was bigger than me. He was stronger than me. He had more power because he had a gun. And I stood there and I looked at Christy reaching and the blood that just kept gushing out of her mouth. And and what do you do? That is her reaction. And she said this on national fucking TV. National fucking televised interviews. So, yeah, it's just, I played all those because I really feel that it's important for people to grip how actually insane she was. I mean, she is so clearly just not mentally there. I get people react in their own ways to certain things, but she clearly and very openly just doesn't give a fuck. I don't think she cried once in any of her interviews. She didn't break down at all. Nothing. And I mean, did you hear her talking about her and the blood that was coming out of her mouth? How do you even speak those words? I mean, clearly her actions and the things she's saying are very attention-seeking. Yeah, without question. They're all just, she needs everybody to pay attention to her and not to her children, who had still been in the hospital and Christy had actually suffered a stroke in the hospital Um, And was basically paralyzed on her left side and was left unable to actually speak. So she did suffer brain damage and had to relearn how to talk and will be paralyzed. She does. She doesn't have any use of her left arm. She can walk, but she has a limp and she will literally have this forever. Um, And Steven was shot in the spine and is paralyzed from the waist down. That is so awful. Yeah. And she's just... Living her best life, talking about all the blood coming out of Christy's fucking mouth. Ugh. Yeah, this case is 
scary. So at this point, Diane wasn't charged with anything, so she was still allowed to go speak to and see her kids in the hospital. Every time she would see Christy, who was unable to speak, and she was still in the hospital and hooked up to, you know, her blood pressure monitor and all that stuff, her blood pressure would go through the roof because she was terrified of her. Ooh, that's fine. Yeah, I wonder why she was terrified of her. So eventually, a witness came forward who was driving down the same road as Diane the night of the shooting. He stated that she was not driving fast, and in fact, she was driving really, really slow, like around 10 miles an hour. So what he said is that she basically was not moving, so she was just waiting for her kids to die. Ugh, that makes my stomach hurt. Mm-hmm. Investigators are starting to put together her affair with Knickerbocker as well. <laughs> I included Knickerbocker because I knew that you would uh, enjoy the last yes. name <laughs> instead of calling him Nick. You're welcome. Best friends. She wanted her kids gone, basically, so she could be with the love of her life, which essentially is the motive they established, which is right. I mean, that's 100% correct. Once this witness came forward, the investigators pushed even harder to find evidence incriminating Diane. Because at this point, they were like, okay, we got her. We're going we're gonna to see what we can do here. So one of the main things found was blood spatter found on the outside of the car. If the story that Diane said was true and the kids were shot in the car, it would have been impossible for blood spatter to be on the outside of the vehicle. They then found that Diane, who stated she didn't own a gun, owned the exact gun, a twenty-two pistol that they were looking for. So the investigators found her handgun and the bullets for the twenty-two. It was also discovered that, and I'm going to try and explain this in the best, I think it'll make sense. So she had a rifle as well as a twenty-two. So it looks like what she did was she tried to tamper with the actual shell casings of the bullets so they couldn't they they could be put in her rifle. So it didn't look like she owned any twenty-two bullets, is what I understood. But when she did this, she marked the shell casings. So they were able to match the shell casings in the rifle. And the shell casings, or the bullets in the rifle, and the shell casings they found at the scene. Ah, because they had markings on them at the scene. Correct. Ah, I see what they did there. Yeah, so they kind of kicked ass. I mean, they were kind of kicking ass. They also found a diary as well. And it really let police see into her obsession with Nick. Um, Love letters and a whole bunch of weird stuff. Talking about, like, sexual stuff, because I guess she was, like, a freak in the sack. And, um... <laughs> and just how obsessed he was and how she wants to run away with him and start a life and all this stuff. So it was definitely incriminating, but it didn't mention specifically what the night that her kids were shot. The police then interviewed Diane again after this and found that she now changed her story and says that there were two men who did this and she knows them by name. So I didn't include the clip of this because I just don't want to get too clippy. <laughs> but they, these interviews, like I said, are available on YouTube. Um, and they, if you watch um, my, oh man, I can't remember the name of it. But I will source it. And you guys can, that's my cell phone. You guys can uh, give a listen. It's pretty intense and pretty crazy. Um, so the police and the public are basically, like, pushing to press charges. And the public is fucking infuriated, obviously. I mean, why would you not be? But first, they needed Christy to talk. So Christy is, at this point, it's about nine, nine months, 
to a year, I think, after the incident. So Christy has been doing physical therapy and working with a, an actual um, psychiatrist and a therapist to help her process what's happening or what happened. So Christy was naturally terrified, obviously. Why would you not be? Um, and had worked with her therapist. So I thought this was super cool. Um, and her therapist, whoever he was or she was, kudos to you. So what he would do was he would have Christy write down on a piece of paper who did it. She then would put the piece of paper in an envelope, seal it, and have Christy throw it in the fireplace. And eventually, she became comfortable enough to write down who did it and gave it to her therapist. The note said, my mom. Well. Yeah. So there's your smoking gun. Um, but I thought that was kind of amazing. The, the patience and the, the, you know, the the process of that whole thing to get her to be comfortable enough to even write it down was probably so intense. And she was, dude, she was nine, eight or nine. Uh, Do you imagine how terrified? Right. So once they get the, the piece of this smoking gun, if you will, the police get a warrant issued and arrest Diane. Yeah, fuck yeah. Like, police work on this case. And if you, everybody has the time to do it. Um, Erin uh, Rule, who is like the queen of true crime, wrote a book on Diane called Small Sacrifices that I pulled a lot of my information from. Um, and they really go in depth about the actual investigation and the police officers and the detectives who dealt with the kids. And it is, I was like half crying because of how affected they were by this case. And how effective they were by Christy and her strength and her bravery. And the way that they treat them is everybody in this case was just fantastic. It was really a wonderful police work throughout this whole thing. So it was, it's really good if you guys have a chance to read it. So on February 28th, 1984. Yep. So nine months after the shootings took place, Diane was motherfucking arrested. Yes. I wish I could project my thoughts and memories about what I've seen when she was arrested. Katie, she was smiling. She was laughing. She was flirting with cameramen. She was trying to flirt with the guards. It was the most bizarre thing I've ever seen. What the fuck? Uh Uh-huh. Yep. I know what Katie's going to do today. Just YouTube a bunch of Diane Downs fucking clips on the news. (laughs) I mean, I got nothing else to do. (laughs) Because it is... It is fucking bizarre. She is nowhere in reality. She is nowhere like in grips with what is happening. She does not understand what is going on. And that's not even the best part. She is charged with one count of murder, two counts of attempted murders, and two counts of assault in the first degree. However, slowly as we see Diane, she's getting a baby belly. She somehow has become pregnant yet again. Uh, what, by who? So this is what um, they said in the book, is that Diane openly stated that she knows her ovulation cycle like the back of her hand, and that if she wants to get pregnant, she can get pregnant whenever she wants to get pregnant. So apparently it was some guy who she had kind of become obsessed with and infatuated with, and this guy like didn't want anything to do with her and was like, no, dude, I'm good, and eventually broke down and was like, okay. She came over one night. She said one 
night she got over there. They slept together. Eight weeks later, she was pregnant. Well, not eight weeks. It's like 72 hours or something. But eight weeks later, everybody found out she was pregnant. Mm-hmm. Bitch is crazy. So yeah. she kind of knew the end was coming and basically tried to get pregnant because she wanted people to sympathize with her. Like I said, she wanted the attention. She wanted everyone to see that, oh, a pregnant woman would never shoot her kids. But then she fucking opened her mouth. So this is a quote from her that I just, I'll just read it. I got pregnant because I miss Christy and I miss Danny and I miss Cheryl so much. She told reporters at the time, I'm never going to see Cheryl on earth again. And I just, you can't replace children, but you can replace the effect they give you. And they give me love. They give me satisfaction. They give me stability and they give me a reason to live and a reason to be happy. And that's gone. And they took it from me. But children are so easy to conceive. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but after you conceive them, you can't shoot them, Diane. Oh, my God. Absolutely insane. So this whole thing was basically a fucking circus. It was a mess. You know what? They got through it. And Chrissy, who is a badass mother effing G was brave enough to testify in front of her mom and stated that her mom stopped the car, got out to get something from the trunk, came to the front of the car, and shot them. From what I understand, her testimony was a couple hours, but from what I understand in Ann Rule's book, everybody in the courtroom was crying hysterically because this little girl was like the bravest thing in the world and the story was just heart-wrenching and I just can't imagine what that poor little girl was going through. And she still expressed love for her mom. And it's just, I couldn't even imagine. That is heart-wrenching. I know. And I could, if I was there, I would be in tears. They said even like the judge was like starting to lose it a little bit. But she was a badass and did what she needed to do and was brave and awesome. And you fucking go, Christy, you go. So I'm going to get to, and out of all of this... Um, this is probably the most fucked up thing I have heard through this whole case. Minus the shooting. Obviously, that is the most fucked up. But so in the actual trial, in the courtroom, they played Hungry Like the Wolves by Duran Duran. They fucking played it. And Diane started singing, started bobbing her head. She was tapping her foot. She was smiling. She was visibly loving it. That is sick. Yeah. Uh-huh. Because her daughter was just on the stand saying that it was playing when it happened. It, even if you didn't do this, which you did, but even if you didn't and you heard this song again, any normal person would be like, turn it off. I can never hear this song again. Right. And she's here fucking tapping her foot, snapping her fingers, bobbing along. She was singing. They said that at the end, she actually was like full-fledged singing Hungry Like the Wolves. Her attorneys were like, what the fuck? Well, I'm sure everyone in the courtroom's looking at her like, what is yeah. happening? Like, what is going on, on right trial. now? You are on trial for murder of your child. Yeah. She clearly was in a state of just not in reality. And that was very clear. She had no fucking idea what was going on. She was definitely going through an episode of something because Jesus 
fucking Christ, are you kidding? Talk about incriminating yourself. Oh, this is a song my kids got shot to. Let's dance to it. What? Right. I mean, it's just fucked sideways. Yeah. So Diane herself then took the stand, which is so very rare in murder trials because no one ever does a good job. Cross-examination normally kicks ass and it never, it never goes well. She took the stand, Katie, and did not stop talking for four whole fucking days. Four days? Four days. It was a full eight-hour trial with her on the stand. That's insane. Four days. So the jury, eventually, everybody, you know, that was the end. She was the, 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 the top, the topper, if you will, the cherry on the cake. And the jury deliberated for 36 hours, which I can't believe, but sure, whatever. I mean, it personally, is, sounds like 35 too long for me. 35 too long, personally. But I guess we weren't there. I guess there maybe could have been reasonable doubt. There really wasn't a whole... Yeah, there was evidence. I don't know why it took that long. Chrissy literally said my mom shot me and she was there. So, yeah, 36 hours was way too long in my opinion as well. But I was just trying to play devil's advocate, but there is none. You're all crazy. So they came back with a motherfucking guilty verdict. Thank God. Diane was convicted on June 17th, 1984. She was found guilty on all charges and was sentenced to life in prison plus 50 fucking years. So the judge essentially gave her the maximum sentence for everything. So good on ya, fucking Oregon. She is, however, still eligible for parole, but will have to serve 25 years before being eligible. So she actually has had parole hearings recently. So I think she's had a few, but they've all gone fucking terribly. That's good. Yeah, she's fucking insane. So psychiatrists um, diagnosed her with narcissistic, hysteronic, and antisocial personality disorders. So the hysteronic, I'm sure most of you know what narcissistic and antisocial personality disorders are. They're all very similar. But the hysteronic, I've never heard of. Um, So basically, hysteronic just means that she seeks attention. She talks super dramatically, has rapid changing emotions, thinks relationships are much closer than what they actually are. So she is one of those people that would just get obsessed with somebody. And it's like, she, they're, oh, they're my best friend. Even though this guy's like, who the fuck is this bitch? Hmm. Um, they're all very similar. Narcissism is just, you think you're better than everyone else and you're more important than everybody else. And antisocial is kind of the same thing. Very similar to narcissistic. So she was diagnosed as fucking crazy, essentially. Her other children were actually adopted by the prosecutor, Fred Hughie and his wife, Joanne. So they adopted. Yeah, that is super rare. I I mean, I don't think I've ever heard it happening again. So the prosecutor fell so hard for Christy, Stephen or Danny, that they adopted them. So they they tried. And from what I understand, they loved them so much and they worked with them every day. They had therapists and psychiatrists and tried to make their life as normal as possible. So it was, you know, at least a good ending for her surviving children. Yes. So Diane was incarcerated at Women's, oh, I'm sorry, Oregon Women's Correctioner's Correctional Center in Salem. <clears throat> Are you ready for this? 
incredibly. Maybe. I don't think you are. You're going to die. She escaped on July 11th, 1987. What? Uh-huh. Swear to fucking God. So basically, I don't, this is what people said. It said she just like climbed the fence and two people picked her up and gave her a ride. Uh-huh. They, there were supposed to be 126 inmates, and by the end of the day, there was only 125. Did they find her? So, a crazy fucking manhunt ensues, basically across the nation. I mean, they were like, what the fuck is going on? How did she get out? Whatever. So, everybody's looking for her. And, obviously, they have the kids, and, like, they warn the kids, and there's, you know, they offer protective custody and all this stuff, even though... They don't think that she's going to go after them because of the way she is. She, like, doesn't even give a shit about them anymore. Okay. So, the detectives were looking in her cell and found a piece of paper, a blank piece of paper. And after looking at it more closely, they can see indents in the physical paper. So, they traced over it and all that stuff and eventually saw that the indents were a map that led to an address at 266 State Street. Which was not even a mile away from the prison. She was found a few blocks away, shacking up with a, another prison inmate's husband. I think his name was Ricky. I, I kept trying to find it, but no one gave me his name. I think it was Ricky in Anne Rule's book. I should have wrote it down. But yeah, uh-huh. He claimed that he was in love with Diane, and Diane claimed the same, and is still obsessed with him. She got back to prison and went to trial for her escape. And it was tacked, the judge tacked on an additional five years, which doesn't matter. But just for like, you know, it's like for the, for the inconvenience, we're going to give you another five years. Diane stated she was heartbroken that she wasn't pregnant. Oh my God. Uh, yep. So after all of this fucking hullabaloo, there's a word again. Downs was transferred to the New Jersey Department of Corrections Clinton Correctional Facility for women after heavy lobbying from Hughie, who was like, get this bitch out of Oregon. We do not want her here. Get her the fuck out of here. The her, like, be, obviously, he's the father of her kids now. And he's like, this is not good for my kids. What if she escapes again? So they were like, bye, New Jersey it is. So basically, across the country, you can't get... Not- yeah, you can't get more far from fucking Oregon than New Jersey. So she's been there ever since. Um, she's been trying to get parole, but they keep fucking denying her request, as I said before. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the story of Diane Downs. Bitch is crazy. Bitch is crazy. Okay, one second. Let me just say my sources, and then I'm going to tell you guys a little side story. So Murderpedia, Wikipedia, My Mother Sins on ABC. That is where you guys can watch um, all of the interviews. And they actually talk to Christy. And if I'm not mistaken, because I watched it a while ago and then I just watched clips, they actually talked to her daughter, Rebecca, which we will get to. Crimemuseum.org, Small Sacrifices by Ann Rule. As I mentioned a whole bunch of times, I pulled most of my information from there. Um, I also listen to the Mile Higher podcast, which is amazing, and I love them. Um, they do a great one on YouTube, and they show you clips and things. So her daughter, Rebecca, was the one that she gave birth to when she was on trial. And um, then it was right before she was actually going to, uh, was getting convicted and going to be in prison. 
or get transferred to prison. So Rebecca was adopted out when she was a baby. She obviously didn't know who her parents were. Um, Eventually, she found out that her mom was Diane Downs. So what happens is she loses it a little bit and has some drug issues and then has some kids of her own and cleans her act up and now she's doing much better and kudos on you. That probably was, that's a movie. I mean, I can't even imagine having a family who's loved you their whole lives sit down and be like, we know you know you're adopted, but your mom is Diane Downs. I mean, my question is, did she ask to know Eventually, so I, and what I understand is that she found a document that was about where she was born and she kind of put some stuff together and then was like, what the hell's going on? And then said, who's my mom? And they told her. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, unless she asked, I would never share that. Right. And I don't think the the family um, planned on doing that. So I highly suggest My Mother Sins on ABC. It was really good. It was very well done. And they talked to, you know, it's it's kind of like the, what was left behind, you know, and, and the aftermath of this crazy, awful fucking woman. But that's not even the worst part. So Rebecca eventually writes Diane and wants to just be like, I'm your daughter, blah, blah, blah. I... That's your prerogative. I probably wouldn't have, but who knows? I've never been in that situation. So eventually, the beginning's pretty normal. They said that it's okay and, um, you know, that she was, you're, oh, it's so nice to hear from you and I never thought I would and all this stuff and, like, I love you and all this crazy crap. And then eventually, it goes downhill pretty quickly and Diane starts saying that Rebecca's not real and that she's a government agent and trying to get her to confess and that this is all a conspiracy and she is fucking crazy. So eventually Rebecca is just like, okay, never mind. I'm not going to write you anymore. But yeah, so it's it's pretty crazy that, you know, you you never know. That, that that's that would be a uh, interesting for sure. But yeah, so the um they talk about a lot about like what she went through with that and how they show some of the letters that Diane sent. And I mean, she like started berating her. Like, you're not my fucking daughter and all this crazy stuff. So Diane is very clearly not well. No. Yeah. Very much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was a, and this story was, it was a rough one. And I mean, it is, it is kind of a deep dive into uh, mental illness and how apparent it was in this woman that was just, Oh, man, it was a tough one. But I, I still, Diane still maintains her innocence to this day and says that whenever she's released, because she still thinks she's going to be released, she's going to find the person who killed her kids or killed her kid, I'm sorry, and then shot the other ones. She is delusional. And it sounds like she is just, it has just gotten way worse, but I'm sure it's left untreated because she's in prison. Right. Yeah, man, this was a tough one. It was a rough story. I mean, that's wild. It's a crazy story. I know that you looked into it a little after Vanessa suggested it, but I was like, oh, no, I want to do this one because she's she was on my list, actually. But it was I have a long list of people I want to do. But uh, I hope you like it, Vanessa. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed it. I mean, yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a goodie. Yeah, that was a it's a crazy one. It is a crazy one. But, you know. 
Um, as she said, I'm kind of the same way to like look into what makes people tick and how it affects. I like would love to see a scan of her brain when she dies, you know, just to see like, what is wrong? Where did it get like, you know, how did that happen? Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't personally want to see inside her brain because I'm not a doctor. So I can look at it and be like, looks good to me. (laughs) But if someone could look at it in the professional field and then tell me what they find, I'm for that. Yeah, because I just, it's so apparent that she's fucking nuts. Blah, off her fucking rocker. But yes, um, I highly suggest everybody look into, just do a deep dive in YouTube and like even some Reddit and stuff. It's, there's, watching her is, and the way that she reacts, even the way that she, like, is carrying herself, I'm like, this woman is so not well. It's insane. It's, it's just crazy. But yeah, this story is, is, you know, it's a tough one. But it was, it's always tough when kids die. Yes. Especially by their mother. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, do you have a joke today, Katie? I do have a joke today. Katie's corny corner. Yeah, Katie's corny quarantine corner. Woo! Eh, that's a good one. I like that. <laughs> All right, uh, hey, Kristen. Yup. Did you hear Steve Harvey and his wife got into a fight? No. It was a family feud. <laughs> oh, fuck. I should have got that one. I, I was love it. <laughs> Did you do that for me? I fucking love family yeah. feud. Yes, I did. I love you. We, there was a, so I was, am a huge fan of Game Show Network and Family Feuds on like 24 7, but there was a time. There is. I still, every day I come home, I put on Family Feud when I cook dinner. (laughs) I'm like 900 years old. (laughs) But yeah, that's, we have a a hot tub and there's a TV by it, and that's me and Katie. A couple Sundays in summer, we'll sit and watch. Family feud and drink in the hot tub. <laughs> I mean, sounds like the perfect kind of day to me. Yeah, why the fuck not, man? Thank you. I love that one. That was good. I'm going to go tell that to CJ as he's watching Tiger King. Do you have anything else to say? Are you good? I'm going to do the whole like, subscribe, review. Follow us on Insta, nobody.noproblem. Uh, Facebook is just nobody, no problem. And again, we have these last two episodes were requests, so if you guys have any more or you want us to do more, deep dive into something else, we definitely are more than open to. Makes our jobs a little bit easier. Um, and also, Vanessa, I hope you liked it. Yes. No, I don't really have anything else to add. Other than um, just be safe and stay the fuck inside. Yeah. Be nice and don't kill anybody. Yep, that too. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Okay. All right, well, um, we're going to sign up then. We hope all you guys are well and safe and inside. And like I said, be nice and don't kill anyone. I'm Kristen. I'm Katie. And we are nobody, no problem. We'll catch you guys on the flip side. Bye. Bye.